Pharisee, I preach the gospel. I follow the apostles. You follow Pentecostals. You're not reformed, so that's a risk. I believe the five points like an asterisk. I repent, but you're in sin still. I spit rhymes and Fernando does a windmill. Here we go. What's going on out there in podcast land? It's your boy, Pastor Chris Hernandez. And here I got my man. Jimmy De Los Santos. We want to welcome you guys and thank you for listening to another edition of SolarCast. Good to be back, man. It's good to be back. What's going on, Jimmy? Yeah, we're back on dry land after coming back from Atlanta. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good to be back in the uh, studio library slash library. Uh, we'll call it a studio, right? Something like that. It's like it's, a it's, transformer. Yeah. It transforms from a library to a studio. And then, you know, when, when I got my kids, you know, transformed to a nursery sometimes. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I, I see it more as your library, but I tell you what, last week's uh, episode, uh, you could tell that it was a different room, and you could see that you could yeah. kind of hear that, that there was a more of an echo, maybe. We had like some that. people concerned about that, right? Yeah. We had some people tell us, hey, uh, you could really tell that there was a difference in where you were. Yeah, I mean, because we were, we were on site, we we're on location, and, you know, we were in a big room. Sounded like a big box. Yeah, but I enjoyed having that time with uh, with uh, some guests on the show. That was the first time we tried something like that, yeah. and uh, you know, I was uh, really appreciative of, of Dylan, Aaron, and Rody on stepping yeah, up. Yeah, they came through, didn't they? Yeah, they yeah, did. They, they, they did. did. And um, you could tell a little bit. Maybe they were nervous at first, but they got right into the groove after a little bit. And it's no big deal. I kept telling them this is just a conversation. I mean, this whole thing was born out of the fact that me and you just talk all the time. <laughs> right, right. Wow, but we really had a great time at G3, man. You know, yeah. we were already planning different trips. We're thinking, where else can we go next? Yeah. Good. I want to go to Shepherds, man, but, yeah. you know, I ain't got that money for that. Ain't right. nobody got money for that, man. You know, yeah. this is the first time I've experienced some, some of this where I get back and I start seeing everything on Facebook that says what was negative about G3. I was reading some things and I was thinking, yeah, the world, you had to be there. Yeah. You really had to be there. The worship was great. Yeah. You know, I think it, it, when you when you want to sit back in your in your room and just critique something that you weren't a part of, right? You had to be there, right? You had to be there. The worship was just great. And I don't know what they caught on live feeds. I don't know anything about that. But there is nothing like being with thousands of people that are all singing the oh, same yeah. song and glorifying God that way. Yeah. So what's new, man? Man, back to work after mm-hmm. after G three. When I got back last last Sunday, I you know you came in on Saturday. I came back on Sunday. Yeah. And uh, we went straight, me and Rodi, yeah. went straight from the airport, straight to church. Sunday morning. And I was, I was tired. That's commitment, brother. I appreciate <laughs> that, man. Some people, you know, you know, find an excuse not to go to church. Yeah. I, I tell you, you know, I, just on saying that, I, I don't get that. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of times, and I, I'm not down on anybody that, you know, makes an excuse. Yeah. I'm just saying when, I, when it, Sunday morning comes around. I'm going to church. Yeah, some people be like, I got in Thursday evening, and I'm still just tired, jet lag, yeah. and I'm not going to be able to make it Sunday morning. <laughs> oh, man, the jet lag hit me after church. I got home, and I took a nap, and then and then Monday night after work, um, man, I hit the sheets. Yeah. And I, almost as soon as I got home, I was I was in bed. And my daughter called me that uh, that night, and uh, something like 7, 8 o'clock, and I had been asleep since 5. And uh, she asked me, what are you doing in bed already? I'm like, man, I was tired. That jet lag got me. Yeah, but, we yeah. we didn't we didn't sleep a lot, man. Yeah, yeah. Uh, some people liked it too cold to sleep. You know? <laughs> yeah. We we were practicing temperature. I felt like control. I was in an igloo, man. We practiced temperature control in the house, in the Airbnb, and in the car. Yeah, because just didn't seem like you get the temperature exactly. No, we right. couldn't. Yeah, we didn't know what we were doing. And you so. know, it's funny how you get five people in one room, or five people in one house, or five people in one car, and it's yeah. just like everybody. You got to turn. Everybody it. has their own temperature. Everybody yeah. has their own temperature. It's kind of funny the way that is. And then the the radio stations that we had. Lance. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. We started scanning through some of those and we found some old school stuff. Old school hip hop and yeah. it was still a great time to have with uh, with our brothers in Christ. It was, it was, man. And we had a good Lord's Day service this morning, you know. Yeah. Some visitors out, yeah. you know. Got to take them to lunch and yeah, that was good. Yeah, the visitors we had, uh, that, that was really great. I Man, I always enjoy when, when somebody new shows up at our church. And, yeah. you know, it's such a small church that uh, whenever somebody new comes up, we, we really, you know, kind of fawn over them, right. I guess, a little bit. <laughs> uh, but really appreciative of, of somebody finding out about our church and wanting to come see it. And, uh, you know, that brings me to something else. You know, with the first, we had a first also this past week mm-hmm. in the fact that somebody asked us a question on Facebook. They they directed a, a Facebook Messenger post right. uh, to to SolarCast, mm-hmm. and they asked a question, mm-hmm. uh, which is our, really truly our first question as a as a entity, right. SolarCast entity. Well, you, you kind of had a question that was more of on a personal level, I guess, and you, you got taken out to dinner or you, you went on a date.
in. Oh, well, that's that's yeah, yeah, that's a little bit different. I know that guy. Yeah. I mean, he's listening to the, and he knows me, yeah. and yeah. so he said, you know, hey, uh, which I, is and, good. That's yeah, good, man. It's good we engage that way. Yeah. But this is this is a guy yeah. that asked us a question that we I don't I haven't met him. Have you met him? And no. So he just posed a question to us, and and you fielded the question, Pastor Chris, and it was really a great uh, response to that to that question. But I got to say that makes me that makes me feel good because. You know that's one of the things about the podcast. We want to be open to those questions, those critiques, right. those those things that people might not agree with us, and we want to have a dialogue. Yeah, let's engage. Right. You yeah. know, this is the whole purpose of the the podcast to engage people to deal with issues that are sometimes a little difficult, right? So yeah. let's engage and let's talk. And let, if you got yeah. some pushback, that's fine. We welcome that. Right? We're we're open to the questions. We're right. open to the to the pushback if you have any. We're open to having right. a dialogue with you if you want. Hey, you know, I even met with somebody. Of course, I knew the guy before Donnie. <laughs> I'm not putting myself out there for everybody, but I will. I will say this though. Um, also, anybody that has a uh, question or issue or pushback, you can take them to dinner. Or what? No, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> You're putting me in the corner, Pastor Chris. But I will um, say this: that after today's episode, right, <laughs> we might have some pushback. We right? might have some yeah. pushback. We might have, an, and this is a very sensitive subject that we're about to talk about today. Right. I wanted to start off by saying that I have a lot of friends, people that I love and care about, people that I've talked to about these issues before, and they know my position. They know where I stand when it comes to these things, but they also know that I love and I care about them. They can't tell me that I I don't care for them. I do care for them. But I have my position on this, and one of the things that, that, that gets me about what we're about to talk about today, and I might as well tell you the subject we have today is social justice, right? And we've been wanting to do a, a podcast episode on this particular subject for some time, but since it's... I think even before the podcast started, we, yeah, we, we've, we've had just kind of circled this one. Yeah. yeah, we've had discussions about this for a long time, right? but it's come to a head. And the reason it's come to a head is because recently there's been some things going on here in the DFW area. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, if you want to talk talk to that, there's a yeah. few things going on in the Yeah, in the and we'll, we'll, we'll get to that. We'll definitely get to that. But let's go ahead and start here. Let's start with defining what we mean, right? So we like to do that. So also, I think we need to say this up front. Just like we did with the Prosperity Gospel, where it was a, a bit of a series. This one might be a series as well because there's a lot to get to. Uh, yeah. we should, we're probably, I'm pretty sure we're not going to be able to finish everything that we need to say today. And next week we're going to bring on a guest, you know, speaker to help us uh, deal yeah. and wade through some of these issues as well. But yeah, let's start there. Let's start by discussing what we mean. So we're today's episode, the topic is social justice. That's what we're talking about. So let's talk about social justice and, and what we mean when we say social justice. So why don't you give me, if you can, I know it's hard to define, difficult to define. You know, what do we mean when we say social justice? So I'm going to do a few things here. Now, number one, you're right. It's a difficult thing to define. In fact, Vody Bauckham at, at the pre-conference that we went to in Atlanta defined it or actually started out with, hey, it's a nebulous term. And, right. it, and it changes so much with what somebody feels like. But I'm going to take it and break it down into two words, mm-hmm. social and justice, right? right? So social being societal, mm-hmm. right? Because social is actually what that means is having or to do, to do with society at large. It's not just individual, but a society. So social would have an implication that it's a group of people instead of just an individual person. Right. Social. And then justice being, of course, that what's fair. That's what's equitable. Uh, right. And so when you look up those definitions, you'll see those definitions. When you put them together, it's fairness mm-hmm. at a group level. Right. Right. And so that's a really difficult thing to, to achieve because... Most crimes right. are done individually, <laughs> right. right? I mean, most crimes are committed individually, and it's an individualistic thing. You don't um, just say, you know, hey, blanket all these guys. They're guilty of this particular crime, so they all should uh, go, right? Now, that's kind of a, a, a rough thing to, to think about. But, uh, again, Vody Bauckham has said that it's a nebulous term, and, and it, it kind of changes with right. somebody's feelings or somebody's emotions. But... That's kind of where I came from when I when I started studying and looking at. I wanted to de- to define both words, and then we put them together, and we'll right. see what we come up with, right? Yeah, and I think that um, maybe there are some people out there that are saying, "Why are you guys even devoting uh, episode to this?" Maybe they're outside of the loop. Maybe they they don't see what's going on here and there. They don't follow some of the same people that we follow, the same leaders that we follow, and right. so forth. So. I guess we can start with what is our concern with the issue, right? Specifically when it comes to the church. 
so the issue is is that we have been seeing recently from some leaders in the Christian circles that we follow, we have been seeing this recent adoption of the social justice movement. Uh, now, I mean, it's been around forever. We've seen it in some of the more uh, mainline churches that have been pushing social justice forever. You're going to find those churches. You've always been able to find these churches. But this issue has been more and more creeping into what we would call conservative circles. Some of the guys that we've always felt that were some of the good guys right and they still are i mean you know especially if they're gospel center right some of the guys that we consider uh you know the good guys they're kind of veering off into this uh, trajectory of of talking more and more about social issues and they're taking the spotlight off the things that we should keep it on which is you know the bible and and the cross and so forth it's funny that you said that because i'm thinking of something that a good friend of ours said this past week even about his his own church and it was interesting to say, because at his church, he feels like there's not enough emphasis on evangelism, which is a big thing with us. At right. Ecclesia, we're big on evangelism. I think we've even talked about that. We've had a whole episode on evangelism. Right. And he he said that as we were discussing social justice issues with him, we were out to dinner with him. And he said he mentioned the fact that he feels like maybe his church uh, is taking on some social justice or some social activism issues Simply because they need to fill the void because they're not evangelizing. Right. They, they haven't uh, put an emphasis on evangelism. They don't teach to evangelize. They don't push anyone to evangelize. And so maybe they're trying to fill that void with something to do. Right. And see, that's, that's my fear is that we're getting off mission. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I told you a little story a while back. I had a, a friend of mine, actually a friend of my sister's one time. And this was quite a while back who told me, people might find this funny as we say this on SoloCast, but... He, he looked at me and he told me, hey, we need to fight the Illuminati. <laughs> and I thought it was funny when he told me that at first. And, but then I saw that he was serious. Right. And I looked at him and I said, bro, that's not our mission. I wouldn't even know where to start. I, yeah, where do you start with something <laughs> like that? I, I looked at him and I, and I said, bro, that's not our mission. Right. Let's, stay on, let's stay on point here. Our mission is to go and preach the gospel to all nations. Mm-hmm. You know, Go and make disciples of all men, teaching them to observe all I have commanded you. Right. Our, our great commission is to go out there and, and do that thing which Jesus has told us to do. Right. And, and so I, to make matters a little bit more difficult when it comes to the social justice movement, particularly the one we're seeing that's creeping more and more into the church is that like you said, it's hard to define and it's hard to understand what what the issue is. And, and I'm seeing it coming on two fronts. One, we see an issue coming uh, with the state. There's a, a big issue of injustice, a big cry of injustice. When it comes to the state, when it comes to systems that we have set up here in the USA, the complaint is that certain systems are set up certain ways to be unjust, right? When we talk about the world and the way we live our lives outside of the church. So that's one complaint, the the state in general. The state's unjust, the systems are unjust, things are unjust, the police are unjust, and so forth. And then another complaint that's becoming more and more vocal is the, the complaint of those inside the church. The complaint of not having a seat at the table, the complaint of uh, not having enough representation in our uh, church history books of minorities and so forth. Uh, So there's almost like, it's like two fronts of of complaints. There's the broad complaint in general of the state, and then there's the complaint of the church. So there's uh, there's two gripes, if you will. And uh, we just see a problem with that. I think that's what we're going to be fleshing out. Yeah. yeah. You know, I, I want to go back to this one experience that I had when I was out on the streets witnessing to people. And I, I went and I handed a, a track to a, to a man. When he looked at it, he looked at it and he saw it's one of the million dollar bill tracks that I carry around with me and try to hand those out. When we go out witnessing, I, I use these tracks because they're, you know, they're attractive. They look like money. Right, right. <laughs> and, and they got the gospel on the back. And so when I handed one, this guy looked at it and he said, I don't want that because that guy was a slave owner. Hmm. And in my mind, I'm thinking, well, I don't know if he was or not. It was Rutherford right. B. Hayes. It was one of the older ones that I had. It was Rutherford B. Hayes, and he was a lay minister. I have no idea if Rutherford B. Hayes had any slaves. But but to me, I, I'm trying to spread the gospel and spread the good news. But if that guy, looking at that million-dollar bill, thinks that I have some kind of push to say slavery is okay right. by handing a million-dollar bill tract out, I think he's mistaken in that. My, my whole my whole desire was for him to know that I love him, care about him, and want him to come to Christ. That's why I'm out there witnessing. It was an interesting thing to see because you're going to have this view. Of course, this man was a man of color, right? And right. so when I hit him with that, he looked at that and said, you know, I'm not even going to listen to you because that guy was a slave owner. Whether he was or whether he wasn't, my intent was to share the gospel with this man because I, I cared about him. I do care about him. Mm-hmm. 
And so it, it was interesting to me to see that type of thing uh, right. because it, it just went back to that place that said, hey, that just seemed unjust. Of course, slavery is unjust. We know that it's unjust, but that shouldn't stop you from opening your mind up to the fact that I want to share the gospel with you. Right. That was my mission. Yeah. And it's like almost uh, with the social justice movement, we're, we're bringing back those barriers, that, those barriers that were already there. We're just bringing them back. And, you know, the social justice issue, dealing with that in the church, it's, it's nothing new. It's an old, uh, I mean, if you want to call it social gospel, that's been around. There's some history there. There's a, a guy by the name of Walter Rauschenbusch. I don't know if I ever say his name right, but I think that's that's how you say it who really taught this social gospel, this social justice, and really pushed that in the church. And his big thing, I was reading a little bit up on him and his beliefs, his big thing was the kingdom. If we are ever going to usher in the kingdom of God, then the kingdom must be just, so we must make things right, correct wrongs, and so forth. And his big issue is, is bringing in the kingdom here on earth. Um, you know, I had some concerns reading a little bit about him, especially his view of the atonement, which is really weird. I think I mentioned this to you the other day, how he's uh, he sees the atonement as Christ suffering for those that are suffering in the natural. So, uh, for instance, you know, Christ, when he was mocked, he was mocked for the minorities that are mocked or for the poor that are mocked. And when he was spit on, he was spit on for the poor that were spit on when he was when he was unjustly sentenced. He was, you know, unjustly sentenced for those that are unjustly sentenced today. So. There's more. It's more of a natural atonement. There's not a lot of spiritual behind it. There's no uh, fulfilling the wrath. We view the atonement, the correct view of the atonement, fulfilling the wrath and satisfying the wrath of God. There's there's really none of that. It's a totally different view of the atonement. So, again, the guy had some weird weird views on that. I mean, he did mention some good stuff about you know loving your neighbor and and so forth. So. I think that this social gospel thing, it's been around, like I said, it's been around for a while. It also has ties to some of what we call liberation theology. Have you ever heard anything like that? I have. Yeah. But back up just a little bit, Mm -hmm. because you said something about the kingdom and bringing the kingdom here. Right. It's funny that when you say that, because immediately in my mind, I'm thinking about the the moment that Pontius Pilate looked at Jesus and said to him, are you a king? Mm Mm-hmm. And what was Jesus' answer? My kingdom is not, not of, of this, this world. world. Right. It's not of this world. So it, it, it surprises me that someone would say, you know, hey, we're trying to bring the kingdom here. When Jesus made it clear that he was the king, not of this world. Right. So the way it is now, it's kind of expected. I mean, he gave us that. I think we'll cover some of that as we as we go along. Yeah. Let you keep on going. You you had you were in your thoughts, but I wanted to just go back and say that kingdom thing caught my attention. I the other day on Twitter, I posted a thread on liberation theology and how it it is really it really resembles some of the social justice stuff that we're seeing today. And let me just briefly read what I posted. A liberation theology has taken as its primary source of revelation the consciousness and experiences of the oppressed classes. Like many heresies, it absolutizes a fundamentally non-biblical standard, which is the feelings and experiences of oppressed people. Liberation theology has lost sight of two fundamental realities. First, that God is no respecter of persons. And second, that the biblical salvation includes resurrection and return, not revolution. Because God is no respecter of persons, he can indeed be the God of the oppressed, but not of the oppressed only. In affirming that salvation must include many kind of human liberation, liberation theology has obscured, if not denied, the fact that only one kind of liberation deserves being called salvation. Because only one kind of oppression is totally beyond mere human correction, that it requires a divine conquest. We speak of bondage not to the powers of the world, or to the politics, or to the marketplace, but to the power of sin and death. And that is by uh, Harold O.J. Brown, who's an old uh, theologian. And man, he hits it right on the head. And it's exactly what we're saying with this whole social justice movement. It is a shift to making salvation more than about salvation from sin and death to making salvation about what can you do for me here on earth. Exactly was that what I was going to reiterate. When you were going and saying that he, he died for the spit upon. Right. Well, he died to free us from our sin, right. from the bondage of sin and death that is on us right. as sinners. So, I mean, it's amazing that someone would uh, would take it and, and do something else with it. Uh, I want to ask you, Pastor Chris, I was thinking about some of the things that we had to talk about. And one of the questions that I would have for you, what are the, some of the terms that are connected with? So how can someone... Right. Look and see, oh, this is a social justice thing. Because for some people, they might not even know that it's going on. Right. And inside the church, right. 
we hear what the pastor that we've always talked to or, or heard from every week, and we don't even recognize that he may be going a little to the left there. Right. And I say to the left because yeah. really this is a left kind of thing. Yeah, and I think you, that's that's key right there. You talk, we talk about language, and a lot of the language that we're hearing in the church is borrowed from the political left, right? And we don't mean to be political here. This yeah. this podcast, uh, we've never been political. We're not about politics. Yeah. I mean, we have our concerns with some of the issues on the right as well. Maybe we'll do a whole podcast on that. Right. Uh, but a lot of this issue, a lot of these things that we're seeing in the social justice movement in the church— has borrowed, they've been borrowing terminology, ideology, philosophy from the world. So it's it's basically a worldly movement. That's the way I see it. So what are some of the terms that are used in the in the movement? Woke is one, you know, yeah, yeah about being I've woke. heard that. Yeah, I know there's even a, a book and a movement called Woke Church out there. Yeah. The church needs to be woke. And woke is just a slang for, for being aware, for being conscious, for uh, being aware of our surroundings and what's going on to injustice and oppression and so forth. Yeah. Privilege is a big one, you know. Yeah, right? I've heard of privilege. Yeah, I got something. White, on, I got something privilege, on privilege yeah. uh, when, when we get there. Yeah. I got something on privilege, and I thought about that also. A couple of things I've heard of uh, intersectionality, right? And another big term that I think is out there in the in the movement. We saw a book the other day. Somebody was reading white fragility, right? And I thought that I thought that was interesting. Uh, it's it, it's interesting how things have kind of morphed and right. gone around it, but. You hear these terms and you want to know, well, what does that exactly mean? Because yeah. a lot of these terms are nebulous, right? And they're, they're just exactly what are you saying when you say these things? Right. Is there another level when you say woke that I must be woke? Mm-hmm. Does that mean I need to be born again again? Or yeah. is there another level of Christianity mm-hmm. I haven't reached to understand what wokeness is? Right. Because when I was born again, he opened my eyes mm-hmm. and I could see. And I could see my sin. Right. So I've been repenting of my sin for the last almost 20 years mm-hmm. because I see myself for who I really am. Yet it seems like the woke movement or the social justice movement looks out yeah. at, the, uh, at the landscape and says, you are guilty of this or that, white privilege being one of them. Right. Uh, today, it seems like if you're white, you're guilty. Right. Right. Me and you being Hispanic, we really don't suffer from that. We're kind of in the middle, right? Yeah. Ain't <laughs> nobody got, talking about us. <laughs> nobody's talking. We, we're just on the fringes looking yeah. at, looking well, in. Unless, unless they talk about building the wall. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's, yeah, that's kind of funny, too. But I wanted to read something. In the area of privilege, this is a, from the Valley of Vision. Uh, it's a prayer book that I have. These are Puritans that wrote these. Uh, guys like Thomas Watson and, and some other Puritans wrote these particular prayers, and they put them in this book called The Valley of Vision. I found this as we were going through this. For the podcast, the prayer is called Election, and the, it says this, Holy Trinity, all praise to thee for electing me to salvation by foreknowledge of God the Father, through sanctification of the Spirit, unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus. I adore the wonders of thy condescending love. Marvel at the true believer's high privilege, within whom all heaven comes to dwell, abiding in God and God in him. I believe it. Help me experience it to the full. Continue to teach me that Christ's righteousness satisfies justice and evidences thy love. Help me to make use of it by faith as the ground of my peace and of thy favor and acceptance. And the reason I wanted to read this this prayer for a few things. Of course, it, it talks about the Christian's high privilege. Who's the most privileged? When I ask that question, you're, if you're looking at from a Christian worldview, if you're looking out at the landscape of America... From a political sphere, yeah, you're going to maybe think that we're in America. Right. The whites have the privilege. Right. But if you're looking in the spirit, the Christian has the high privilege. Right. We have the truth. He is the way, the truth, and the life. We look to him, and we have him. So we have the highest privilege. And it is in Christ that justice was done. The wrath of God was poured out on him. Justice was satisfied at the cross. Right. And so when we look at justice and then uh, this peace that we want to have, it ends. the prayer ends with um, this whole thing about, I want not the favor of man to lean upon it. I, I think a lot of what social justice does is goes toward that, I want to please man kind of thing. Right. We've heard the term, this is another term, virtue signaling. Right. right? Yeah. When we, we talk about virtue signaling, because I want you to be pleased with me. And, and the problem, I think, that that engenders is that you get away from the word. Right. Here's the thing that I have. The people that I know and love and care for that are mixed up in the social justice movement and have, have listened, have had their ear to the social justice movement, I love them, I care for them, 
but I will stand on the word of God. Right. They know I love them. Yeah. They know I care for them. Yet I can do no other. I have the word of God, so I'm going to stick to it. Right. And, and living in a fallen world, we're always going to have issue and take issue with something. I mean, we live in a fallen world where sin abounds. So there's always going to be some type of inequality. We're not going to have a utopia. We're not in new heavens and new earth yet. So there's going to be a gripe to be found somewhere. And when I think of privilege, specifically white privilege, and I hear that gripe, and I know a famous pastor around here likes to use that word a lot, white privilege. Um, I think it's obvious that there's going to be a certain type of privilege wherever you go. The dominant culture is always going to have the privilege. If I was to go move to China, who's going to have the privilege, me or the Chinese? Right. It's interesting because I can I can put that at the on the basketball court. Who's going to? I'm five foot three, bro. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I go to the basketball court. Who's going to have the privilege there? Right. 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 And, you know, if I even if I go to Mexico, being Latino like I am, right, I don't speak Spanish the way everyone else does. Yeah. Guess who's going to have more privilege? The people that speak Spanish are probably going to have more privilege than me, right? So we live in America. We know that the population is controlled by whites. I mean, they were here first. The Europeans came, right? And, well, if you want to get be, technical. Be technical, yeah. yeah, yeah. But well, the majority well, right the majority, now. Yeah, the majority, yeah. The majority now is, is white, right? So yeah. they're obviously going to be some, there's obviously going to be some privilege. I don't think that we should shy away from saying, I know there's some deniers out there. And, and it, it is true. I mean, there are plenty of, of uh, our white brothers and sisters that are struggling and that have gone through hardships and they can say, I wish I had my privilege right now. I can't get a job, right? <laughs> so, um, yeah, we understand that too. So yeah. uh, I think that, yeah, whatever culture you're going you're gonna to go to, the dominant people group there are going to ha- have some type of privilege either way. There's nothing you can shy away from. Yeah. yeah. Just to touch on that also, I mean, when you look at it, though, from the white privilege, we're not white supremacists. It's right. not like we're sitting here being white supremacists. And we're not denying that racism White supremacists wouldn't like guys like me and you anyway because we cut our skin. So, yeah. <laughs> they wouldn't like us. And, and they, again, this, this whole idea that we're sitting here saying these things and we would say that racism doesn't exist. That's not what we're saying. Oh, yeah. uh, you know, you'd be a fool to say something like that, that right. racism doesn't exist. And next week we're going to talk more about that, about our experiences. And we got a brother that we're bringing on. Yeah. Our experiences dealing with racism in our personal lives and, and so, so forth. Yeah. yeah. And, you you know, really, I want to, I want to take that down to mm-hmm. this one thing. And I've said this before to my friends and people that I've talked to. Uh, you, you can boil it down to hatred. Mm-hmm. Right. And this is this is the thing. And people hate for different reasons. People can hate you just because you look a certain way. Right? right. And people hate because of the color of the skin. But hatred is something Jesus spoke against. Mm-hmm. Right. Ha- hating your brother without a cause is, is like you're being guilty of murder. Right. So there's there's something to it. But a lot of times uh, you think that, you know, they hate you, but you can't see your hatred for them. Right. And that that can be an issue. That can be an issue. A lot of times we, we, we want to judge someone for their hatred of someone else. When we haven't taken the log out of our own eyes to see clearly that we need to repent of some hatred also. Right. And this is where I think the thing, um, you know, comes to a head. Right. Uh, a lot of times we can't see to forgive. Mm. And I think forgiveness is a key, a key thing mm-hmm. when it comes to social justice, especially if all you can see is red from right. your anger about social justice. Yeah. And the reason why we're doing an episode on this and we're touching on this is because Again, we've seen a lot of people in our circles that are championing this social justice and bringing in these ter- this terminology from the, from the world, the left, from the left, uh, the political left. And we've seen people recently build platforms off of this on Twitter. There's some guys that have gotten really popular yeah. uh, just griping and talking about how bad white people are. Uh, the history of the white church. I mean, some of the language that they use, man, I'm not sure how they can get away with it, man. Yeah. Uh, they're they're griping. They're building platforms. They're getting speaking engagements. They're writing books. A, a new book came out this week also on, on that. So I, I've heard one brother say that he doesn't feel safe worshiping with white people, you know, so he left his church. This is the stuff that we're seeing, and then we're seeing, you know, some again, some of the what we would call good guys backing some of this stuff and agreeing and endorsing these books and doing the forwards for some of these books and giving these these guys that have this gripe platforms because, well, you know, let's just face it, a lot of these guys are white, you know, a lot of these pastors are white, and they might have a little, you know, of the white guilt themselves, and they might say, well, you know, what can I do to uh, rectify some of the past injustices. So let me let me hear these guys out. Let me let me give them a platform. Let me do a the forward to their book, 
And I just think that's a dangerous trajectory. I think that we need to stop it at its head. I think we need to to stop the the talk and the influence and the worldly the worldly philosophy that is creeping into the church. Because one thing that that it is doing that I see is that it is doing it is dividing the body. Right. It's dividing the body into race. It's dividing the body into class. It's dividing the the body into the privileged and the oppressed. And that's what the left likes to do. They like to to class right to divide into classes. I mean, it's, that's a Marxist. You know, a lot of these guys yeah. when you when you when you say this is a Marxist stuff they. They're quick to say, no, this is not Marxist. You know, we don't buy into that philosophy. We're not Marxist. Stop calling us Marxist. That's just, just a tactic. Yeah. But it is what it is, man. You, you When you divide people into classes, that's Marxist philosophy. Yeah. And what we're, they're doing in the church, they're, they're, they're dividing into the, the haves and the have-nots, the people that have platforms that don't have platforms, the people that have a seat at the table and don't have a seat at the table, the history of, of who we read in our seminaries and so forth. It's only white people. And, you know, so you're dividing people up. So that's a Marxist philosophy, whether you like it or not, and want to push back and don't want us to say it. That's what it is. And they're dividing people into classes, the haves and the have-nots, when really there are only two type of people that I see. Those in Christ and those in Adam, right? right? There's not black. There's not white. There's not those that have and those that have not. There's not those with privilege and those with not privilege. There is those who are in Christ and those who are in Adam. If you're in Adam, then you're you're not in Christ, yeah. and you don't have that specific privilege that you had mentioned, the privilege of being part of the body of Christ. You know, right. just to keep on going with a little bit of the Marxist, because I, I, I've, I've seen those videos that you're talking about where right. they, you know, hey, I'm not a Marxist, I'm right. not a Marxist, having to do only with economy. Right. And see, that's, that's one of the things that uh, I think people are a little confused about when you say Marxism, communism, socialism, because Marxism really kind of gave birth to the, to the communist movement and the socialist movement. And uh, Karl Marx, Frederick Engels, they came up with in the late, I believe it was the late 1800s, this economic thing. Mm-hmm. You know, if we could just equal everything out when it came to economy, then uh, the working class could have a seat at the table. Well, there was problems with that. Right, and we know from history that uh, socialism in every country that it's been tried. Just look at Venezuela right now. Right, you'll know that socialism doesn't work. No. But we don't want to give up on this socialist thing. But let's not do the economy thing anymore. Let's let's move it over to the culture. Right, right. Let's all the different classes. However, you identify yourself. And and the funny thing about this is we we just heard this at the at the G three conference. The problem with this. This idea that we need to make everybody equal is that everybody's going to hitch their caboose to the end of that train. Right. And so now you've got now you've got the LGBTQ right. people it, out there coming. saying, "Let me let me let me hitch my right. let me hitch my rail car to that right. to that train because I want to be just as equal as everybody else." Right. And and at that point we started. Well, you can't really call it sin anymore, mm-hmm. right? Well, the Bible's clear: homosexuality right. is a sin, right? right? And the, the the problem is that. People are going to hear me say that and think that I'm a bigot or a racist or a homophobe. Right. The problem is that's not true. I love people. Mm-hmm. I evangelize, and I don't care. Right. I don't care what color you are. I don't care uh, what your orientation is. I want to share the gospel with you so that you'll come to know Christ. I right. want to share the fact that we're all sinners in a broken world, and Christ died on the cross to save mm-hmm. his people from their sins. Right. And so that's, that's my thing. And so when I look at the Marxist uh, ideology, I think, well— there are differences. <laughs> right. There are some differences. There are some people that have a little more, and there's nothing wrong with us working for mm. what we for what we have. And you know, it's funny because that that analogy that I just gave you of the basketball court. Mm. I like playing basketball. Right. I might be five foot three, and I might not have the privilege when I go out there on the court. I just have to work a little harder. Right. And, and some people are not going to like hearing that. They're not going to mm. like hearing that they have to work a little bit harder on the basketball right. court. But if I want to score a point, if yeah. I want to make a basket. I'm five foot three. I'm going to have to work a little harder, right? And I'm not going to stop going out there to the court to play, right? You hear that, Leo? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. You called him out. Now everybody knows. But I think one thing, too, we consider the sovereignty of God, that he he is the one that makes one prosper and and the other not, right? It it is, and as Calvinists, we, we affirm that, that it is God who raises people up. It is God who uh, allows people to prosper. So to have a gripe to me is just, it's not really a biblical way to think, to, right. to have a gripe with someone that has a lot or that has things that we don't have. It's not really, to me anyway, a biblical way to think. In fact, one of the main problems that I have with the social justice movement is the the victim mentality, the the victim mentality that it creates with people, specifically minorities. 
And it tells people that, hey, you know, look at your situation. Look what they've done to you. Look how they've treated you. Look how they've treated your ancestors. And look look what's going on. The reason why you don't have X, Y, and Z is because there was an oppressor. Is because you're the victim. And I just see that as a fundamental problem in the, the, the new life that we have in Christ. Because right. when I open my Bible and when I read the New Testament, I don't see a lot of that. Now, we're talking about a New Testament that was written while they were under, I guess you could say, oppression, right? Roman the, rule. The Roman rule. Yeah. And I don't see a lot of uh, revolution going on. I don't see a lot of uh, Paul saying, you know, let's let's fight the injustice of the of the Roman government and so forth. I don't see a lot of that. Actually, on the contrary, what I see is a lot of call to humility. I see a lot of call for the Christian and the believer to humble themselves. Let me just quickly read this this verse here in Philippians chapter two, verse three, where it says, "Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit." But in humility, count others more significant than yourself. Count others better than yourself, right? You're more significant than me. That is the Christian life, right? That is the life of the believer. That is the life that we have been called to. Now, we don't like that. I mean, tell you the truth, in the flesh, we like to be the boss. We like to consider ourselves better than everybody else. That That is our natural self. But in Christ, we are called to consider others better than us. So... When you're living with this mentality to consider others more significant and better than yourselves, I see no room to have a victim mentality, to say that I am owed something, to say that this person has done me wrong. As a matter of fact, Christ has something to say about that in Matthew chapter 5 about when people do you wrong, right? You right, to- right. I have that. I have that actually. I'm going to go ahead and read. This is um, Matthew five thirty-eight, starting in verse 38. He says, you've heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. But if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if anyone would sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. Give to the one who begs from you and do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. You've heard it said that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. So that you may be sons of your father who is in heaven. For he makes his son rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? You therefore must be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. Wow. I see Jesus Jesus call us high there. I mean, that's a tough yeah. thing for us to say that you slap me on one cheek, I'm going to give you the other. Right. And it's difficult, but we're called to it. We're, right. we're, we're called to look at the evil person and say, you know what, I'm, I'm going to love you anyway, mm-hmm. and I'm going to pray for you anyway. Mm-hmm. Even though you despitefully use me, you mm-hmm. hate me, I'm going to love you anyway. Mm-hmm. If I have my eye on the cross, mm-hmm. if I remember that what he did for me on the cross was to demonstrate his love for me, what... What more can I do right. for others? The love that God has shown me flows out of me. Right. And instead of looking at everyone as victimizing me, I need to look at them as, you know what? Forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. This is what Jesus said from the right. cross. Forgive them for they know not what they do. I, I do got to say this one thing, and I, I think this is important because I've looked and I've tried to figure out what's the end game? What's the goal? What, what, are, we, what are we going after Right, I've, I've I've asked questions. What law are we going to put on the books? What are we going to change here? And, and so, don't get me wrong. I think that when there's injustice on an individual level, let's let's put that guy in jail. Right. Right. If there's an injustice and he needs to go to court, he needs to be in court, judged by a jury of his mm-hmm. peers. That he needs he, that needs to happen. But I think one of the things that I've seen is that people want to change the world, change the natural world for their kids. Like, I want my kids to go through an easier life than I went through. Right. And the problem, the problem that I have with that is that I look from a biblical standpoint, from a biblical worldview, and right. I, say, I say that Jesus said exactly this, John sixteen thirty three. I've said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. Mm-hmm. But take heart, I've overcome the world. Mm-hmm. Jesus has overcome the world, but you'll have tribulation while you're here. Mm-hmm. And instead of trying to change the world to better comfort our children, mm-hmm. let's teach our children mm-hmm. that they're going to have to go through tribulation and prepare them for that. Right. 
as opposed to the other way around because I can see how I would want I would want a better life for my grandson RJ. I wouldn't want comfort for him. I would want these things, but I better train him up right. and teach him that trouble's coming down the road mm-hmm. so that he might be better prepared and, and, and expected. Right. If that makes sense. No, it, it definitely does. And that that is the the problem that we have with this movement. This just this victim mentality that that it creates. And I think we're going to talk a little bit more about that next week when we have Henry on. I yeah. think uh, we can flesh that out a little bit more. But going back to Matthew chapter 5, the verse you just read. I mean, now we're talking about reparations in the church now. I don't know if you've heard that conversation. I have. So I have. And and there we just read someone is slapping you on the cheek. Uh, it used to be an eye for an eye, but now somebody slaps you on the right cheek, turns to the other also. We read in, in 1 Corinthians 13 that love keeps no record of wrongs. And I just have a, a hard time understanding how this is a, a Christian thing to ask for, reparations. Yeah. Uh, to ask for people to pay you something. I mean, love keeps no record of wrongs. If you felt, again, going back to Matthew chapter 5, if you felt someone has done you evil, do not resist the one who is evil. Wow. Right. That's what that's, that's what Christ said. Do not resist. <laughs> Think about that. Do not resist the one that is evil. So even if you have a legitimate gripe that someone is evil, that someone is unjust, Matthew chapter 5, Christ is saying, do not resist that. In fact, I'm showing you a new way. A new way of humility. And that that's radical, man. That That is radical because in the Old Testament, you know, we see a lot of references to this, the issue of justice. And there is a responsibility for, for us to be just to our, our fellow mankind. But man, when we are persecuted, we must endure hardships. That is the life of the believer. That is that is the life of the Christian. Again, First Corinthians thirteen five. Love keeps no records of wrongs, and that's the one of the the big issues that I have with this whole social justice movement. It keeps record. It says you've done this to me. Now you may have not done this to me personally, but your ancestors have done this to me. Uh, those who have come before you, and they've what they did to my ancestors, and so forth. So to me, I just see it as as worldly philosophy creeping into the church. You know, you you remind me of something. Um, you know, a few years back, uh, this uh, this guy walks into a church in Charleston, South Carolina, I think right. it was. Uh, Dylan Roof, right? That guy walks into a church and shoots a bunch of people. You know that it was funny that that congregation prayed for him, mm. prayed for him while he was going through. I, that story touched me so much. This is exactly don't resist the evil. We know evil things are going to happen. This is my this is my response to some some people that that just tell me. Yes, we're supposed to evangelize, but why can't we do both? Mm-hmm. Why can't we do both, you know, the social justice thing and evangelize? And and my, my thing is that you, you have to expect these things. You're right. in a broken world. What did you expect from right. living in this broken world? Right. What we need to do is what Christ has commanded us to do, and that's to preach the gospel. You can't regulate or legislate a man's heart. If he's got a heart full of hate, the only thing that can change that is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Right. It's the power of God into salvation. Unless a man's heart is changed. Romans one sixteen. Yeah. And we get a lot of pushback. Uh, guys that are pushing back on this social justice, we get a lot of pushback with, and I've seen it ridiculed time and time again, just preach the gospel. In fact, this last week, a famous pastor again here in Dallas area uh, did a sermon on uh, racial reconciliation right. or something like that. And he has showed a picture of a congregation standing in front of a big sign that the backdrop that said Jesus saves with Ku Klux Klan members. Ku Klux Klan members, can't say that word good. They are right in front of it in the church service. And he said, this is what preach the gospel gets you. Just preach the gospel gets you. And I'm sitting there listening and I'm saying, man, you're missing it, brother. You're totally missing it. Just because someone was using the gospel in a, in a wrong way, just because someone was misrepresenting the gospel does not mean that we should abandon preaching the gospel. I mean, we can go back even further throughout history and we could see atrocities done in the name of the gospel or the name of Christ. I mean, look at the Crusades. I mean, look at some of the persecution that the Roman Catholic Church were committing to some of the reformers and so forth and, and others, heretics. I mean, there was some, some crazy, there's always been some crazy stuff done in the name of Christ. Does that mean that we need to abandon preaching Christ? No. We need to make sure that we we preach the full gospel, the full measure of it. But that's still our main message. And everything that falls under that 
should be taught as well. Yeah. But it's not taught by going on a crusade. It's not taught by starting a revolution. It's not taught by, you know, having these conferences. You know where it's taught at? It's taught in the local church. In the local church, yes. It's taught by having a good ecclesiology and knowing the way we're supposed to handle things, yeah. right? I think that's also a, a big buck against, uh, you know, just a pushback on God's sovereignty. Because if if the scriptures tell me that he that began a good work in me is faithful to complete it, then I'm going to trust that work. If there's something in me that needs to change, create in me a new heart, oh God, renew a right spirit within me. Right. If something within me needs to change, then God is the one to change those things. Now, he will take me through. And I can tell you from experience that having been somewhat sexist in the past, right, that he's changed that in my heart. I've begun to see the Imago Dei in women and so this is this is one of the areas where, as men, we have a lot of issues because a lot of times we'll in the natural in the flesh we can be very sexist. Right. We can we can view women as as objects. I'm just being real here on Solacast. I'm just being real. Uh, but as a, a man of God, a Christian, I need to change my view. Needs to change on that. Right. Um, God brings me through and starts to show me that women were created in His image also, and I need to treat them as sisters. That's different. It's a different way of thinking. And he that began that good work in me, sovereignly, is going to complete it. He's going to bring me from there to here. And so when I hear you say something like that, this is what preaching the gospel gets you. Just preaching the gospel gets you. Guess what? I'm trusting in God. Mm -hmm. If we preach the gospel, if someone is converted from darkness to light, God is faithful to complete that mission. He's going to change that man's heart from darkness to light. Right. We can trust it. Right. Why did we stop trusting the word of God? It is the power unto salvation, right? Right. That that is Romans 116, man. The gospel has power. We do not need to abandon it for other issues, especially worldly ideologies. And I want to read that. uh, 1 Corinthians 2, 1 through 5. And this is uh, Paul saying, I, when I came to you, brothers, do not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom. For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. And my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. We need to go back to trusting in the power of God to change hearts, to break down barriers, to reconcile races. Let's trust in the power of God and the power of the gospel. See, Paul says here that there are others bringing in this lofty speech and this wisdom. That's exactly what I'm seeing in the social justice movement. And this is what I think about when I think about 2 Corinthians 2 here. This ethnic Gnosticism, like, oh, you don't understand my experience. You don't understand my thinking. You can't deal with what I'm dealing with because you've never been in my shoes type stuff. So there's this wisdom and this philosophy out there saying that just preach the gospel does not work. We need to do some other things. We need to have these conferences on racial reconciliation. We need to repent for our past sins. We need to do X, Y, and Z that's worldly wisdom, man. That's what that is. That's that's worldly wisdom. Let, let us do what Paul says here, to preach Christ and him crucified. Yeah. Bodhi Bakum said something else, too, at that conference. He said, you know what? That's my old nation. Right. That's my old thing. Mm-hmm. I'm a new creation in Christ. I belong to a new nation. We're different. If we're in Christ, like you said earlier, there's just two. Mm-hmm. In Christ and in Adam. Right. If we're in Christ, it's right. different for us now. And, and you know... Trusting the Word of God, there's one one last passage I want to give. Uh, I know we're, we're running out of time here. We're going to have to flesh this out with some yeah. more episodes. But yeah. this is what Proverbs 24, 19, and 20 says. And I think we should trust the Word of God when it comes to this. Fret not yourself because of the evildoers. Be not envious of the wicked. Mm. For the evil man has no future. No. The lamp of the wicked will be put out. Mm-hmm. See, the problem is that you're trying to do this in your own power. But the, but the scripture is clear. In the end, when Christ returns, everything will be put right. right. Justice will be done. Mm-hmm. Vengeance is mine, saith oh, the Lord. I mean, yeah. He is right about that. Yeah. Why don't we trust God at his word? He's going to make things right. He's going to make things right. Yeah. All the justice right. that we want to try to do with our, with our talk mm-hmm. isn't getting us anywhere. Right. We need to preach the gospel and bring men into Christ. Right. In the end, Jesus will return and mm-hmm. set everything straight. Right. Yeah, and I think you're right, man. We, we're going to need to flesh some of this stuff out. There's some things that we want to get to. We want to talk about biblical justice. I want to 
flesh out the whole victim mentality a little bit more. I think that needs to be touched on. So we're going to be doing that here. I know. Stay tuned, guys. Stay tuned out there. I know there's some things that we didn't get to. Yeah. There's some issues that we didn't get to talk about. But we're going to touch on them. I mean, there's a lot to be said here. And again, if you have some pushback, we'd be glad to hear it. But I just want to close out by saying that I do believe that we need to be united. I do believe that we need to love one another and that if we're in Christ, we're, we're a new nation. Yeah. And we need to you know, get rid of and get past this obsession with color, obsession with class, obsession with who's got the upper hand and who doesn't. We need to realize that there is no more Jew or Gentile. We are all one in Christ. Yes. We're all brothers and sisters. Uh, when we come to the Lord's table, we come as a family. It doesn't matter what color you are, what race you are, what background you have, what social class you have. We are all one family in Christ. And that's what I think we need to get to. And that's what I think we need to stress. And we need to let people know that, look, because we're pushing back on some of the issues regarding social justice is because we love our brothers and sisters in the faith. doesn't matter what color they are. You know, we love our, our black brothers. We love our brown brothers. Those that have issues, we love our white brothers. Those that have issues with one another. We want unity in the body. We want people to love one another the way we should. And to stop seeing barriers and stop seeing class and to see one another for who we are, brothers yeah. and sisters in the Lord. And yeah, the yeah. scriptures tell us that in his body, he was breaking down that wall of division. Mm-hmm. And that's important for us to see we are one in Christ. Right. right. So we're going to go ahead and wrap it up there because, again, we've, we've we touched on a lot. So much to talk Man, about. <laughs> there is a lot that we didn't get to. And you're probably thinking right now, oh, well, you didn't, you didn't mention this. You didn't, you didn't touch that. Yeah. Don't worry. We know. We've been on the sidelines listening and watching, so we're going to talk about it. So yeah. stay tuned. Uh, next week, we're going to have our brother Henry Knox on. He's going to be joining us, and he's going to be speaking as well regarding some of these issues on social justice. But, yeah, yeah, we're excited. This was a serious subject, and it was a little bit – I was a little apprehensive in trying to tackle these these issues because yeah. I have people that I love, that I care about, that are kind of entrenched and deep into the social justice movement. And I, I still love you. You're out there listening to me. You're out there saying, I, I still love you. Stick with us. Stick, Stick with, with us. us. Yeah. yeah, stay with us. Yeah, check us out online, uh, com. Tell a friend, listen to us. New, fresh podcast drops every Tuesday. You want to drop the Twitter handles? Yeah, the Twitter. my Twitter handle is at Los Jimmy. And I'm at C Hernandez 214. And the SolarCast website is at Sola underscore cast. Right. And don't forget to check us out. If you live in the Dallas area, come visit us at 1819 Singleton Boulevard. We're there every Sunday morning at 1030 a.m. And this Friday... We'll be movie night, right? 7 p.m. movie night. We're going to be showing the American gospel. Bring a friend. Yeah, but until next time. Let's get to the knees. I just made this beat right now. I'm MC Goya. Okay, listen. Hey, I'm on the ground like El Chapo in a tunnel eating about 12 tacos. I'll put you in a box like a gato. Punchline stay in my mouth like Mr. Sacco. Jay thinks he runs Christian hip-hop. He wears white socks when he wears his flip-flops. And he looks like Shook Knight. I put him in a chokehold and say goodnight. It's not me.